Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Bud, how are you? Not doing too bad. I'm watching some baseball. Uh, some teams play very well. The Yankees lose, which makes me happy, but the Astros won, and that makes me sad. And the Phillies won. But both of those teams in the World Series, the the way that they were constructed are are two different ways. And I think it gives the Pirates a little bit of hope. Like you're not really going to be the Phillies because Bob Nutting's not that guy. Like he's not coming down onto the field and telling Bryce Harper uh, or or whatever player he would go and get, like the owner of the Phillies did, uh, coming down and telling his star, "I should have paid you even more." <laughs> Supposedly he did. Like I, should, I I underpaid you when I gave you three hundred thirty million dollars. Like you're never getting that from Bob Nutting. He's not going to come down and hang out with the fans, and people are never going to embrace him, and he's never going to spend with that kind of a payroll. But the Astros, on the other hand, they, they I think they were like seventh in payroll. You're never going to get there, but the 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 way that they built their team in which when it's time for a Correa or a Springer to move on or even Garrett Cole when he moves on to the Yankees, they're able to fill in with their their minor league system. And in a way, that I think is the the blueprint that Ben Charrington's using, but he's using it more like how the the Rays use their blueprint or a smaller market team because of the way that Nutting spends. But it is possible if you build a good base and you build a good system and you find the right pieces at the right time, you can go far in the postseason. The Astros are able to do it because they have money and they're building it the right way. But in reality, you could spend money and not make it, you know, and there there are teams that were higher in payroll than the Astros that didn't even make the postseason. And it's all because they didn't they didn't build their team any differently. They built it like the Astros, but they didn't do well at talent evaluation. In the end, it comes down to is Charrington and the guys around him, are they the guys that can identify talent and develop talent? Because that can be the great equalizer when you have an owner like Bob Nutting. Yeah. And I mean, everybody's having a discussion around here, Chris, are, you know, with Ben Charrington's comments, you know. I think he said, you don't talk about payroll in a town like Pittsburgh. So kind of setting us up to to be more along the side of the Rays. And people are like, well, that will never work here because, you know, we love our franchise players and we have to have all these names for forever. But the funny thing is, Chris, is that other than Andrew McCutcheon and maybe Neil Walker, the two players that get, get up, brought up the most surrounding the 2013 through 2015 run are AJ Burnett, who was a blip like in his career within Pittsburgh and Russell Martin, who was here for like a couple years. So for people to say, we've even said this in the beginning, Chris name on the front of the Jersey, 
not the name on the back. And it's not that I don't like the guys. We know that I do. You know that I'm a fan. I like Brian Hayes. I like Brian Reynolds. I like all these guys. But honestly, it could be Joe Schmo from down the street who we pick up and somehow hits like 50 home runs and we get the World Series. Am I going to feel like, or even get to the playoffs, am I going to feel worse about it? I'll be like, oh, that really stinks. We only had these some of these guys for like two months or two years. I, I wish these this was made with guys who were all here for you know their entire careers. I don't care, man. At this point in time, I, I don't care. You could make this St. Petersburg if it's successful in Pittsburgh. I swear to God, I know this place sells out. Ben Charrington's trying to tell all of you that he has an owner that's cheap. He can't say. Like, what do you want him to say? You want him to say, hey, I'm Ben Charrington. I've got a lot of ideas, but I have an owner who's a billionaire who who lists up there in terms of his net worth with owners of teams that end up in the top 10 in payroll, but yet won't spend any money on his payroll. And he can't come out and say that. He'd be fired, right? Like, he can't come yeah. out and say, my owner's cheap. He just has to deal with a cheap owner. Like, if you've ever seen Moneyball and you look at how the Brad Pitt characterization of Billy Bean just is so frustrated with his cheap-ass owner in Oakland, all right? That's what Ben Charrington has to deal with, and he has to find a way to still win in spite of the owner who's cheap. That, that, that's it. These are, yeah. these are actual facts. These are indisputable irrefutable until Bob Nutting actually proves somebody wrong about it. And he's just trying to explain you. It is what it is. This is how I'm building it because he can't sit there and say, my, my owner's cheap. What do you expect from me? He wants to say it. I, I guarantee you off microphone, you know, comments that are off the record to reporters when he walks into a room, when he goes home and he yells about things that piss him off inside of the front office he yells about the fact that his owner is cheap and he wishes that he had more money to play with because he could build something great right now. That he, With what he has in his minor league system and what he has in his major league system, if he knew he could get a budget just in the top 15 and if he could get into the top 10, what he could do right now going into free agency, who he could sign, how he could fill in the roster, and how he could be competitive as early as 2023. Because he's got a boatload of money if all of a sudden they just come up to what the payroll should be. And he goes for it. But he knows he can't do that. So what do you, what do you, what do you expect? Meanwhile, this episode brought to you and every episode of Bucks in the Basement brought to you by Yins. Shop Yins.com for three dynasties, one brand. It's all Yins, the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports. All kinds of cool stuff on the website. And Craig here is always wearing something with that big yellow Y on the black hat. He, he, he loves it. He, I think you wear that more than you wear a P now. Okay, I see more Ys on you than P's. That's how much you like the Yin's brand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's free shipping on orders, $75 or more. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link at bucksinthebasement.com uh, shop Yin's. All right. Uh, I wanted to give you a quick note here before we dive into the rest of the show. Bucks in the Basement is part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. And this is, strangely enough, I don't know how this worked out. We've had shows that have started, and when they were gotten rid of and their podcast feed was turned off, those episodes are deleted off of this total. But as of today, amongst active shows, this is the 1,000th episode on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. So, it, Dude, it, that's... Congratulations, Chris. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. And this show is actually the third most downloads in the history of the network. 
So I think that's also very cool. And if it would have started a few years earlier, it would definitely be number two and closing in on the on the top spot. So it, it's a it's a big boon for the network, and it is just an awesome show. And I'm very proud of what we're doing here on Bucks in the Basement. I'm looking forward to a good off season and can't wait for next year because I do have some hope. And I'm not going to sit around and criticize players like Cabrian Hayes, which I've I've heard some Cabrian Hayes slander. It continues, uh, and I know it's ticking you off. Yeah, and it's it's the the one extreme to the other, Chris. It's like the Cabrian Hayes, you know, isn't hitting. He had way too many errors. Why do we give this guy this big contract? And it's a big contract in Pittsburgh standards, but not a big contract overall. And then there's the other side of things that are, we need to, you know, unseat Nolan Arenado from his gold and platinum glove standings. And then we will drape PNC Park with banners of Cabrian Hayes has won the gold glove. Chris, you know where I sit in this. I sit probably more towards the the middle ground of this, which is, if he, if Cabrian Hayes wins the gold glove, good for him. Like, I, I would, I'd be happy for the guy. Do I need him to win the gold glove? No. Am I happy with what he's done so far under his contract? I would like to see, you know, him not complain about a back issue at the end of the season after having a season where he had a wrist issue. I, I'd like to not see that, but... When this contract came out, and actually even before we came, it came out, we were talking about how it would be a deal for the Pirates, and that no matter how his bat played, that he would be around a two and a half, four war, somewhere in there, and he ends up being, what is he, like 4.3 war on baseball reference? He was 4.3 B war this year. And with under 1,000 at-bats, with about 500 at-bats, let's say, being the roundabout amount of at-bats a player gets in a season, he is sitting still at an average of 4.25 war. So he's he's an over four war a year player when he's playing. And he was 4.3 B war in 2022. Those are wins above replacement level. And I think that Pirates fans who are upset with Cabrion Hayes are greedy. And I want to explain why I think you're greedy, okay? And I don't want you to take offense to this, but I want you to understand what you're doing here. You have a team that's got a terrible payroll, that had a ridiculous amount of payroll flexibility, and knows that when it gets into the open market, where it would have to compete with other teams for star players, that it can't compete, like we just talked about here at the beginning of the show. And you spend $10 million a year for the first two years of this contract when you know you're not going to be spending any other money, and you front load the deal so that starting in 2024... $7 $7 million a year is all you're paying Cabrian Hayes until 2028 when it's $8 million a year for the next two years. Then if you want to, in his year 33 season, you can pay him 12. And that's only if he's deserved it. But you've grabbed up all the best years of this player for 7 to $8 million after you get through 2023 when you're hopefully in your competitive window and you're getting more than four wins above replacement. Let me tell you something right now. If you went into the open market right now and tried to get a guy who was four wins above replacement, you would pay well above seven to eight million dollars from. There are utility baseball players on major league baseball teams walking around with five to six million dollar a year salaries on multi-year deals where they're fill-in players 
who bring you replacement level or slightly above. There are no four war players out there to be signed for $7 million. It doesn't exist. Now, the problem is Pirates fans looked at the contract and said he's going to be a superstar and we're going to get a superstar that is going to be an eight war player. And that guy is going to be making all-star games every year, and we're going to get him at a bargain. Like, it's almost as if Pirates fans are upset that they they didn't rip off Cabrian Hayes, right? Like, you always get people <laughs> that, are, that, are, that are like, oh, you know, I can't believe this young player's taking this, and, you know, the, the this team got a steal. Pirates fans are upset they didn't rip off Cabrian Hayes. And what's crazy is he hasn't even reached the main meat of what his career will be, that 26, 27, 28, 29 Uh, year-old years, those seasons when players generally peak and have their best seasons, and then the really good ones continue beyond that. He hasn't even hit that yet, and you're already getting exactly what you're paying for, and you're still getting it at a slight bargain because you couldn't go get that on the open market. So if you're upset about it, it's because all you focus on is batting average. If you're upset about it, you're looking at OPS plus and you're saying, well, he's below league average and you're leaving out the contributions he brings his team in terms of wins on the field. And when it is time to go out and actually win this, when this team is actually in a competitive window, you have a player that you are paying less for a win above replacement than most people have to on the open market. It's not a bad deal. It's just people are upset you didn't rip off Cabrian Hayes so far. You wanted to be an eight-war player, and you want to be like, look at this, we got an eight-war player. We're paying him $7 million in 2024. Like, that's what you want to be able to say, okay? And you might still get that. That isn't an impossibility because he's so young and it's so early in his career. Yeah, and it's definitely not an impossibility. And we've talked about this before, Chris, that that, you know, short month in 2020 may have, you know, gotten people's hopes up a little bit more. I mean, I've I've studied Cabrian Hayes. I've watched Cabrian Hayes. I've looked at his stats from when we got him. And in the minor leagues, over six seasons, he is a 279 hitter with a 754 OPS. Yes, on the young side, but was never really like this, this big hitter. He, he just never profiled as that. He always kind of had the speed. He always hit the ball hard. They said, you know, he we need to work on his launch angle because when he does hit the ball hard, he usually hits it down to the ground more. We saw him make that adjustment, at least for that short period of time. But now he's kind of back to the player that he always was. And yes, he has that room to grow, but for some reason, people must have thought that it's like as soon as Cabrian Hayes get this gets this $10 million in his pocket, like his defense was still going to continue to be elite. But then all of a sudden, somehow he was going to be a 325 to 30 home run guy. I mean, it just has never really been in his profile. And so I, I, I went back and like I said, I listened to past episodes just to kind of see the dumb stuff that we say. And you actually stopped me from eating crow after that 2020 season. So I'm like, man, maybe Cabrian Hayes is going to be a little bit better. And you're like, dude, it was a small sample size. See what happens. Oh, I told you. I warned you that he was not going to be that. I just thought he was going to be a good player. Yeah. And he's a good player and he still is. Craig, I found it right here online. It wasn't hard to find out. The average cost of a win above replacement for a position player in Major League Baseball in the 2022 season. 
You want to know how much one war is? $5.38 million. That's the average cost when they took the, the, the top players in Major League Baseball. That's what it cost for a win above replacement. He's a $20 million player. You may hate that because you're never going to make $20 million. I'm never going to make $20 million. But what he's doing is worth more than $20 million a year. You paid 10. He gives you 4.3 war for 10 million this year. That's far better than what the average is for a win above replacement. And you're paying again, starting in 2024, 7 million a year for three years, then two, then 8 million a year for the next two years after that in his prime years. It's a brilliant contract if you just get what you're getting right now from him and you have this massive potential for him to do better. So anybody that's complaining about Cabrian Hayes and his contract is, I don't know, somebody who doesn't have the internet, that doesn't actually look up the, the value of a win, maybe shouldn't be somebody that you're listening to. Like, I, I don't know how else to say this. Like, not very good at understanding baseball. Like, these are, like, I don't know how else to describe these people because I'm telling you right now, that contract at this point is not a bust. And people yelling about it again are greedy because they just wanted to rip off Cabrian Hayes. They wanted a guy that was going to give him eight or seven million a year. They wanted to pay less than a million dollars a war when the average is 5.38 per war. That's what they wanted. That's absolute greed right there. You're all a bunch of mini Bob Nuttings. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, Chris, guess what? Maybe we can put up the fielding Bible uh, award that he won last year that already said that he's statistically the best third baseman in baseball. So I, I just can't really have the discussion that people are having about the gold glove because before the show, I was even telling you, if you told me just for like this season, this past season, would you want Cabrian Hayes or Nolan Arenado? There is not a Pirates fan in the world that would say, oh yeah, I'll just keep Cabrian Hayes. No, I will take Nolan Arenado in his 7.9 war. Do I care whether or not Nolan Arenado wins the, the gold glove again? He's still a good fielder. The dude also hits 30 home runs. So, I mean, to me, it's like you're trying to compare apples and oranges or pineapples and pears because you want to get a guy a gold glove to say he's a better player than Nolan Arenado. It's it's just, to me, it's a discussion I don't really want to have. I want to have a discussion like the one we just had, which is Cabrian Hayes is a good player, and if he stays semi-healthy, should be worth more than what his contract is. And we're actually lucky to have somebody that consistent in our lineup that when he has a year where he doesn't hit as well, still produces three F war, 4.3 B war. Man, it's just to me is just absolutely insane. This whole conversation brings me back to a previous episode And I'm talking back when we knew it was a rebuild and they wouldn't call it one. Back when we, I think right around the time that Ben Charrington was walking in the door. And it just hit me that we've had this conversation in a different way. When we talked about how do you build a team when you know you don't have a budget and you don't want to have to compete with other teams for the same kind of players. And one of the things we talked about was, is it possible to add value by putting an emphasis on defense because it's not something that teams look for. They look at OPS. They look at uh, um, uh, WRC plus for weighted runs created. They're looking at offense when they're looking at guys. 
but could you add wins to your team by finding great defensive players and then get them at a premium value because you have an ownership that doesn't spend money and that it could be a route this team took, or at least if not fully, partially took something in which speed and defense, things that weren't valued as much by the big boys in baseball, if you could if you could find those things and put a premium on it, could you create a team a little differently, kind of like back when the Moneyball era started and somebody figured out, hey, wait a minute, this is how we should be measuring players. We shouldn't be looking at their batting average and their RBIs and the stats that everybody was looking at 20 some years ago. And it worked and then everybody copied it. Could you get on the front of that? Well, you have Cabrian Hayes superstar defensive player who's producing in terms of the amount of wins he gives you and living up to the contract in that way, even if he isn't hitting early on in his career. And then just move a little bit to the side and look at that arm on O'Neill Cruz. And and look at look at how the rest of the Major League Baseball world is in awe every time he releases the ball. And if he's able to harness his ability and start hitting and play good defense at shortstop, here we go again. And maybe that is something that may not be the complete focus of this rebuild, but something that's being taken into account that you can't just discard a person when there's something of value in them where they create wins for you with their glove, even if they're not producing all the time at the plate. And you sign him at a deal that's team-friendly. It's still a team-friendly deal if he's producing over four, win- four wins per above replacement per season. And so, like, it's something we talked about a couple of years ago as when you're identifying young players before Cabrian Hayes even came up in 2020. This is something we talked about. This is way at the beginning. This is pre-pandemic stuff that we talked about at the beginning of this show years ago. And I remember, do you remember this conversation? Because we I talked about it. And, and, and right here, this is the example of that thing that we talked about before Cabrian Hayes ever showed up in a Pirates uniform. And this is it right here. And we said people wouldn't understand it. Because you look at these other stats, that's what's fed to you, that's what's shoved down your throat, but how much is he really worth to your team winning? And you don't see it right now because your team is an under 500 team that isn't put together yet, but I think you will see it when the team is fully put together and ready to compete. Yeah, it's like, I mean, Ben Sherrington sitting there and, you know, putting a, I don't know if it would be like sticky notes, and it's like, we need this much war from this position, this much war from this position, or just this much war from a certain, like they have like the 26 man roster. And it's like, for us to have a winning team, we have to put together and, you know, we can have a guy that can play great defense and he'll give us this much war. We have a guy that, you know, in Brian Reynolds that, you know, even when he has a down year off offensively to a degree, I mean, the, the, the home runs have come up, the batting average was down a little bit. The defense was down a little bit, but it's like at his lowest, he's going to give us like, I think he was like a three B war this year. So if you just start adding that type of stuff up, it's like, you know, this is where we have to focus our stuff at. And we start adding, you know, where can we put this much war or this much, you know, defense in here above something else. So, and I think a lot of the things this year, I'm going to be extremely interested in Chris. And it's something that we, you know, kind of talked about is the changing of the rules to, you know, for the speed, which is something, you know, we had brought up a long time ago, which was, you know, playing more of that small ball and, and getting guys that were fast. Now you have like a G1 Bay, a Rodolfo Castro, O'Neill Cruz, who is fast just because 
he's fast because that's how tall he is. You know, he takes three steps and he's from first to second base. So it'd be looking at where they can get these wins and not in the normal, hey, here's a guy that hits you know, 30 home runs and has an OPS plus of God knows what, you know, say 130, 140, 150. Where can we get these, you know, wins in other areas? So, I mean, th- there's definitely a plan, Chris. It Nobody's saying it's going to be successful. Nobody's going to say you're going to like it. But for me, like I said, I'm still looking name front of jersey, name back of jersey. And we've been saying that from the beginning. It doesn't make me any less of a Pirates fan because I'm just like, I don't care who helps us win. When the Pirates win, if the Pirates win, come see me and and I'll ask you, does it matter that, you know, maybe Brian Reynolds was traded or maybe David Bednar was traded and our team's in the playoffs? I'm pretty sure the guy drinking the icy light that I'll talk to in the parking lot won't care a bit. Listen, another thing with the rules... And I hadn't thought about this before the show, but when you brought up the thing with speed, the change in the size of the bases, the fact that pitchers can only throw over so many times, uh, and that's going to benefit speed. Another thing that's been undervalued in the last few years, and hopefully the Pirates uh, feel like they're on the forefront of it, just like we were talking about the undervaluing of defense. I spoke with Scott White from CBS Sports on another show here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. And he does fantasy baseball for CBS Sports. And I asked him, when you look at the shift rules, who's going to benefit? Is it just all these guys like that they shift against? Basically like left-handed power hitters and this and that. And he goes, no, 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 no. It's left-handed hitters that put the ball on the ground. Left-handed hitters that put the ball on the ground, we're talking like 50, 60 points to the average. We're, we're going to see guys all of a sudden come roaring back or roaring out into the forefront who ground out a lot. It's those guys, the pull ground ball hitters, that are going to all of a sudden see this increase. That's another uh, thing that uh, you don't know if every team's paying attention to right now. So it's going to be really interesting going in the next year with the with the larger bases and the rules throwing over and the fact that you have put an emphasis on defense in terms of finding some of these wins above replacement, in terms of finding wins above being just a 500 baseball team and building your team, and then knowing that there's going to be a shift when it comes to how the shift is used. And are you prepared for it? And are you identifying players that right now aren't valued very much but could see that bump? It's really an interesting offseason, I think, for the Pirates. And I go back to the fact that I would like to see them. I don't expect them to go out and go crazy in free agency. They're not in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. Let's not get stupid here. But you could add yourself a a professional hitter. You could add yourself a professional hitter that's either going to DH or play first base and solidifies your lineup and is a veteran. And that would be a big thing for this team. And it would be a big thing to add a professional starting pitcher that although most people would think, oh, you're just getting this guy to flip him. What if it's somebody that you have that you think you can get a couple of good years out of and that they can anchor your staff, even if they're the three, but they're the veteran that's teaching the young guys, this is what you do in situations like this. These are the guys they have to start identifying and bringing on to their team because it's culture building time. It's time to take that next step in 2023 in which you're trying to win baseball games and build your culture as your young guys are coming of age so that in 2024, you're a playoff team. 
That really has to be the goal. And and with the rule changes, if it's played right, Ben Charrington, even with the hamstring of a low payroll and the owner that he has, can can make some hay, I think, with this team. Yeah, and it's like last time the Pirates made a run, they were ahead of everybody else with the shift and with the sinker and you know getting ground balls and getting guys to hit into the shift and that's where a lot of the success started to come you know in t- actually 2011 through 2015 and then other teams caught up and then they never shifted and adjusted to what was going on i mean that's where you you have to have not only a a good team but you also have to have a smart team I mean, that's why, I mean, if you're going to be like, you know, the Rays or the Astros and not like the the Astros of the cheating scandal, smart, but just in the smart in the way that you acquire players, the way that you develop players, the way that you decide who gets extended, who gets traded, you know, who is going to be a part of it for longer, which one of our young guys is really, really good and which one isn't so good and we can you know, kind of make another team think that, you know, maybe this guy can be a little bit better and be okay if he's better with another team as long as what we get back, you know, kind of fills in the holes where they need it to be. So it's it's not only being smart, you know, and, and being good, it's it's being both. Hey, you want to have some uh, some fun real quick as we end the show? I described looking looking for a piece that's undervalued right now that is a left-handed hitter that could fill a role in your lineup possibly play, play first base for your DH and puts the ball on the ground an awful lot. Eric Hosmer, anybody coming off of that contract? Everybody's disappointed about him. Okay. His ground ball rate is 44%, 58%. Actually, I'm sorry. His ground ball rate was 57% for the total between the two teams that he was on this year. 55% in 2021 left-handed hitter who the shift suddenly going away could be reborn. And be something on your team. Interesting name right there. And he's going to be really undervalued out there for a team that's trying to find those pieces that other teams aren't looking for. Yeah. And I actually don't mind that, Chris. And here's the thing is, even on a down year, still was 1.1 you know, wins above replacement. If we're talking about that, for a team that I'm, I'm pretty sure our first baseman combined were negative three war. Right. But if, if, if the shift theory holds up and with his, with his batter profile... You could sign him as a guy who's basically a replacement level player and maybe get three war out of him. Yeah. Right? Because all of a sudden you see the batting average jump up 40 points. And he's a veteran who's, who's, who, who could come into your dugout right now and talk about winning the World Series because he did that. I mean, like, that, that's a guy right there. I mean, I'd rather, would you rather see that guy or would you rather see them take uh, Zach Collins and give him more chances at first base? Like, which one would you rather <laughs> oh my see? God. Okay? I don't want to see that anymore, man. I, I don't need to see that anymore. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing.